Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. It's time to dive in the dirty waters of film criticism. Tricycle Radio presents The Movie Wave with Sergio Calvo. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of The Movie Wave. Uh, I am Sergio Calvo, motion arts feature editor of Tricycle Magazine. Joining us back today we have film critics George Sully. Hey, hey. And Susanna Marchant. Hello. Thank you guys for joining the show. Uh, today we're gonna be talking about Greek drama Dog Tooth. But before we get there, what have you guys been watching lately? Uh, well, I did mention last time that I'd seen Troll 2. Um, so I finally got around to watching the documentary about it, Best Worst Movie. Uh, which was actually incredibly entertaining and very, very enlightening. Um, I, I didn't realize just how uh, untrained the uh, the actors were. They, the film um, Best Worst Movie follows uh, primarily the the character who plays the dad in Troll Two, who it turns out is a full time dentist uh, in Alabama, and he um, was amazed to find out that Troll 2 was considered the worst movie of all time. And basically the film just, just follows the actors reuniting and uh, discovering this cult following that Troll 2 seems to have. And they even get the original director involved, but it turns out he's still quite serious about the film and considers it um, to be sort of full of artistic merit and doesn't quite understand why why people find it uh, to be so, so bad. I thought it was... Um, absolutely hilarious. Very, very interesting film. Are we going to do two feelings today? I think we are, aren't we? Dr. Hardy's office is Peter. We don't speak too much about it. Is that really my son? It was so not him. It's the strangest thing to watch. Will you kill me if I tell him? No, tell him, tell him. <laughs> it was just crazy because nobody in the community even knew that George was in a film. I was in a movie back in 1989. It's called Troll 2, and it's become known as the worst movie of all time. Really? Yes. Well, I left in about the middle of the movie. It was so bad. I maybe hoped it wouldn't be as bad as it was, um, but it was. I had no idea what it all meant or what I was doing or what I was saying. By every conceivable measure, this is a bad film. Oh my gosh, that's the worst movie I've ever seen. Is it actually a first film? Um, I'm I I'm not entirely sure actually. Uh, because I think, I, I think it might I, it might just be troll two, but there isn't a troll one. Um, I don't. Th I think there might be. It does. There is a section in the film where um, one of the actors goes to find um, a copy of the DVD and finds instead a box set of um, of, t of the two films. So I think there may be a troll one. Um, qu quick research right now tells me you can buy Troll 1 and Troll 2 on DVD. Right, okay. So <laughs> it, it does exist. There is a Troll yeah. 1. Okay. That, could, that would be even funnier if there is a Troll 2 and there isn't a Troll 1. It's like making a film out of Trolls with no Trolls in it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
Um, yeah, apparently there was a 1986 cult dark fantasy film called Troll, um, but has no relation to the films Troll 2 and Troll 3, which are more horror than fantasy. That's uh, according to Wikipedia. I just wonder if Troll 2 was bad, how good is <laughs> Troll 3 going to be? <laughs> I really I really don't want to know. I, I don't want to go there. <laughs> it's, it's become like a kind of a regular uh, topic now on the show, Troll 2. I think we should have well, it. Every, every episode we should talk about this film. <laughs> if only if only briefly um i've also seen the film dogma because i had it on dvd and uh hadn't seen it yet and i i was really glad i had because i haven't actually seen any kevin smith films yet so i've seen nothing with with jay and silent bob and i thought it was absolutely spectacular i thought the the dialogue was probably the most amazing thing about it it was so quick and sharp and um intelligent I thought it was immensely watchable, uh, and obviously Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have a fantastic on-screen chemistry. They're, they were absolutely brilliant in it, so um, that was that was a fantastic use of an afternoon. But that's what Kevin Smith does. Uh, the dialogues in his in his films are fantastic. Um, have you? I mean, have you seen Clerks? That's how he started. I mean, that's that's what I mean. I haven't seen any yet, but after seeing Dogma, oh. completely wet my appetite, and I have to see more. Oh, Cler- <laughs> Clerks is uh, his best film, I would say. That's what that's what everyone's been telling me. But like, I think he's an amazing um, writer, and I mean, he's a great writer. He writes good dialogue, funny stuff, and uh, he's a very entertaining guy. Even like uh, his uh, persona, and when he goes on stage and he does these Q and A's, and uh, listening to his uh, his podcast as well, he's he's a funny guy. But I, I don't know how talented he is when it comes to actual directing. Uh, but the, I think all his all his. Uh, Films are based in the dialogues, and I don't think it takes too much effort in, into directing and framing and uh, all this kind of stuff. It's more about, you know, having a joke, and that's what, what his films are about. But what I am interested about now is this new film, uh, Red State, which actually uh, he's going to be dis- distributing himself. Because he isn't happy on how uh, the distribution business was oh, really? uh, working in the United States and uh, globally as well. He already started it. He already started he already on a tour. He already did it in America. He already did the tour. Yeah. And there is supposed to be a UK tour. Um, um, oh, so really? basically, I think his, yeah, his idea was that they wanted to earn the money that they spent on the film before the film offici- was officially released. Which... Uh. You know, it was a very good idea, but some people still criticized him for it, which I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I think they've already done the tour in America, um, or they're nearly done. Um, and okay. so hopefully, it, well, apparently the rights to the tour to, to UK were sold, so it, it will probably happen, I'm just hoping, sometime soon. <laughs> wow. Hopefully he brings it to the film festival here in Edinburgh. I I actually, yeah, I was really hoping he would, because uh, yeah. I think he did come to the festival in Edinburgh once already. But because I, I heard that it's, it's a film that's nothing to do with the films he made before. It's a horror film, and it's a very low-budget horror film. And the style, you, they say that you wouldn't recognize Kevin Smith in the style of the film. Yeah. He's trying something completely different. So yes, I mean it's it's a bold move not only because of the genre. Uh, the, he moves from comedy to horror. It's also like the fact that he actually uh, is gonna take the 
is going to take the film to your city. He's going to be uh, distributing the film himself. And, uh, that's, that's an interesting it's turn. It's very, very kind of a rebellious and very, you know, it's something new, something uh, no one actually dared to do before. And it's kind of like telling uh, Hollywood to bugger off in some way. It's I don't know because he, in some way he's been part of it, but he started as an independent filmmaker. And I guess he wants to go <laughs> back to the roots of the independent filmmaking. But uh, he also said uh, he wasn't going to direct anymore. He was to quit directing. Wow. Yeah. So I think he's got one more film to make about hockey, and that, that will be the last one. And then he's just going to be uh, focusing on the podcast ne- network and uh, also producing films. Oh, I see. For newcoming talents. So that, that would be interesting. Wow. I fear God. You better believe I fear God. Hey, any more films you see watching? Like um, watching? I've, seen a, I've seen a handful more. I'll just, I'll just mention a couple. Um, uh, a friend suggested this film as a joke, and I wasn't um, actually going to watch it. And then I just my curiosity overtook me, and I had to go and see it. It's called Dead Girl. It came out um, Dead Girl. A, few, a few years ago. I don't know if you, have you heard of Dead Girl? I, I like the title. <laughs> it's um it's Sorry, Susanna. A, a horror film um and essentially it's uh about these two high school um jocks who well not really jocks but they're more social outcasts and they they kind of take a day off a day off school and just go exploring and they find an abandoned mental asylum and go exploring inside this building and in the basement they find a chained up zombie girl um, they don't know she's a zombie to begin with. They think that she's just uh, a prisoner or something. But um, events transpire, which r- reveal that she's definitely undead because uh, she keeps coming back to life when they try and kill her. And um, <laughs> one of them decides that it would be a good idea to uh, start having sex with her. And they start inviting friends down to, to join in. And it's it's all very macabre and very, very um, horrific. So it's, but a, it's a film about necro- necrophilia. Hilarious. Sorry, it's kind of a necrophilic. Uh, a little bit, but it's oh, it was it's very weird, very weird. I, I, <laughs> it did start out as a joke. I didn't think I'd actually watch it, but it's um, it's pretty hilarious. I'm just imagining these guys after making the film. They made a film about dead girl. How are you gonna call it? We should call it Dead Girl. Um, and then the other couple of films I've just seen two uh, two foreign language films one was one my brother gave me called You the Living which is a a Swedish film directed by Roy Anderson um, that's supposed to be a a comedy but I think the Swedish sense of humour is a little a little far removed from what I'm used to Um, I suppose if Ikea is anything to go by they do have a very interesting way of looking at life and it's just this very kind of bleached um desaturated look at, at um just unhappy people and it's even though it is literally labeled as a, as a comedy i found it quite depressing actually um but i i think it, it's full of very interesting shots it's very it's shot very artistically so i'd recommend checking it out um but if you're <laughs> if you're not feeling too uh too happy it's not going to cheer you up 
I'll no. say that much. Okay. I haven't seen many Swedish films, but the ones that I have seen were always beautiful, like visually stunning. Oh, this was absolutely gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Um, and uh, the DVD here says it, was, it is shot with highly distinctive visual flair, and I suppose that that pretty much sums it up. Um, but in terms of the content, I just found it very, it's very pensive. It, make, it makes you think, but it's it's just generally quite depressing. Hmm. Wow, no. we, we, <laughs> and that, we, that's we, it for me. We need to cheer up a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, I won't be able to help because um, right. the film that I've seen and I want to say something about more, more from the decalogue. Is um, oh, no, 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 I'm more. not going to talk about that okay, yet. No. Okay. Um, Actually, what I I saw um, and it was um, Collapse. It's a uh, I think it's a 2009 film, um, which is basically an interview with Michael Rupert, who was um, uh, a whistleblower. Um, he used to work for LA police, um, and he kind of found out that CIA was dealing drugs in the UK, and he kind of put that out in the open and then because of that his life was in danger and um, he had to leave the police and he became a uh, basically became an investigative journalist and so he started writing things um, about you know politics finding things in newspapers that people usually just ignored and um, and he he kind of predicted um, a lot of things that were like um, oil prices, housing prices, and the collapse of the um, uh, U.S. housing market, and so on. And he predicted the um, the financial collapse. But the thing is, everybody was calling him mad and um, conspiracy theorist, and so on. He, he was but- the financial Nostradamus. <laughs> I have 30 years of experience as an investigative journalist. I've broken major scandals. Going out to try and map how the world really worked as opposed to the way we were told it worked. Our map has proven deadly accurate. My economic predictions, oh, we had it so right. In 2006, we said, get out of debt right now. Check your mortgage carefully. We issued a whole series of warnings. There will be nothing like we have ever seen before. Everything that we said was going to happen is taking place right now. Gold prices, Pakistan, Afghanistan, the stock market. It's not that Bertie Madoff was a pyramid scheme. The whole economy is a pyramid scheme. Basically, this film was supposed to be a documentary about CIA involved in drug dealing, but it became this kind of rant on oil, the oil situation in the world, um, and the fact that we've already passed the peak uh, oil, which means yeah. we've already discovered all that we've, you know, is there there is to discover when it comes to oil. And we've used up a certain amount of it. And now we are just only going to be using up what, what, what there is. Well, that's what they not... say. They say that in an Al Gore film. A bit, yeah, but it's just so depressing. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, the, the fact that he, he shows, he, um, you know, he says that people knew in the 70s already that the oil situation, you know, was going to become worse because yeah. um, our lives are so dependent on it. And, for example, even if you manage to invent some sort of a new fuel, um, you cannot build new cars because... 
basically they built of oil, tires, oh. plastic, all of that, rubber. It's all oil. Right. So it's it was it was so it was rather scary and and kind of worrying. And I thought, oh no, run for the hills, build a little cottage and grow veggies. You know, live <laughs> off the land. Yeah, definitely. So it's um, kind of a Wally kind of film. Uh, it was. It was. Kind of, yeah. It was. Um, Two thousand and nine. It was shown at the Toronto International Film Festival and another film right. festival. But it, it kind of. It. I think. Also, he wrote. I think a few books, but they all went unnoticed. And it's a bit like a Cassandra complex, you know. Like he predicts things, but nobody listens. Yeah. And then it happens. And people say, oh, we couldn't have predicted it. I did! I did! Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was listening, and now it's too late. So what's the, what's the title of the film again? It's called Collapse. Collapse. Okay. Collapse, yeah. And it's basically just an interview. It's, it's him talking, and it has, you know, just some extra footages just to keep your eye occupied. But it's basically him talking. And at the beginning, you start, you, you kind of think, oh, right, there, there's this person who who is obviously intelligent and he seems like he knows what he's doing, but what are his credentials? Who the hell is he? I mean, you know, maybe in America he's more more known, but here I, I've never heard of him. So then throughout the film you kind of get to know him a bit and you learn who he is exactly and uh, what, he's, what, what he's been doing and, and so on. And and you kind of start trusting him, even though he's he, he sometimes seems really obsessed, but I mean, I wouldn't say, I don't know if I believe him completely, because I still want to believe that there is hope for us. Yeah, yeah. you want to be <laughs> slightly optimistic at least. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, oil is a, is, a, is finite. There is only a certain amount of it, and we know that one day we are going to run out. It's just we have to hope that we lear- we're going to learn how to use less of it somehow, or how to spread it out. And, you know, our grandchildren have to worry about it and we're long gone. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's that's funny because that's not the direction we are going right now because they keep building cars and just the whole lifestyle. I mean, we should be aware that we're not going to be able to maintain this lifestyle for too long because it's just become ridiculous. I I hope it doesn't end up like Wally, where like Earth is like a wasteland, and we have to, you know, we have to go move, somewhere else. Yeah, go somewhere else in a spaceship, and then move uh, on uh, automatic uh, chairs, and yeah, live our life in a coach. You know, like. I, I thought I thought Wally was actually a very a very beautiful but very um, uh, insightful film. Like oh, abso- the, absolutely. The, yeah. The predictions it makes. I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily predictions or criticisms or or just a, a kind of hypothetical continuation of the human race. But it was very interesting looking at the way we could be going, and and obviously very very beautifully animated at the same time. I, I guess it's like satirizing the whole con- crazy consumerism and uh, to the absolutely, society. Absolutely. Well, I think like it's funny because when you watch sci-fi or futuristic films, it's either. A, a wonderful idea like utopia or a total disaster yeah it does kind of polarize one way or the other yeah definitely you don't really have anything in the middle so basically it's, yeah, it's a fantastic world everybody's happy you know the jet yeah. basically <laughs> yeah Wait, that, that or f- just a total collapse that film is still to come 
any more films, Susanna? Um, oh yeah, I did see the Inside Job, but <laughs> that's but that's. Oh, is uh, that Clive Owen? Uh, no, 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 no. That's a that's another documentary. Um, we don't reveal too much because you already you already have a review that's going to be published soon. So. I wrote a review, so yeah. that's that's why I wasn't sure if I should talk about it. No, it's basically a documentary about the financial collapse, how it happened, and how it could have been stopped, but wasn't because of a few individuals who just wanted to get rich. Did did the film make you angry? It made me furious. <laughs> All right, then I want to see the film. <laughs> I definitely you de you should definitely see it. You should definitely see it. Yeah, all all um, my anger, I, I could just put it on the film and all the people in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Everything wrong that goes in my life, I just blame it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just makes you think. You know, the thing is, we're global. This this is a global civilization. We are all connected now. All the economies, everything. Yeah. So even though European Parliament. Um, has voted on some regulations when it comes to banking so that banks are more closely monitored in Europe now. It doesn't matter because the banks in America are still not monitored. They can still do whatever they want. And if another collapse happens, it will still spread to Europe because we are so connected. So yeah. it's it's really worrying. And it's it's just, I, don't, I think I should be watching some more optimistic films <laughs> uh, because... With this and with this bloody dog tooth that you made me watch. All right, <laughs> we'll get we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But we'll get yeah, it. I think it's quite current the whole thing about the financial situation. Also, uh, it's on the news now. There is uh, Por Portugal is next on the on the bailout, and uh, Spain might be next as well. So it's kind of worrying the things that are happening. That uh, kind of uh, um, yeah, you know, uh, the UK and all some other European countries are going to have to uh, lend some money to to the poor weak ones like mine <laughs> 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 so yeah ho hopefully things will work out and uh, I don't know things don't look good though oh <laughs> uh, yeah so there you go seriously build cabins in the woods somewhere <laughs> yeah that's the way we're going <laughs> in the hills as well because the ice caps are melting so <laughs> And no polar bears. No, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Nostradamus was right. 2012. I knew uh, it was coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. Have you seen 2012? I've uh, seen 2012. And uh, let me tell you, I love that film. I know, I know, I know how ridiculous it is. I, I, you can tell me about the bad acting. You can tell me about the stupid dialogues. But I th I had a, a hell of a great time watching it. I think it's it's a lot of fun. It's a spectacular. Really? I know people. I know, I know people like tend to dislike it because it's a Hollywood blockbuster and it's got all the bad things of a blockbuster. But mm. I don't know. It might be a guilty pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed the first half an hour. I think. Or <laughs> well, maybe I should watch it then. I, mean, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't convinced by the trailer. I love the ending. I mean, the more ridiculous it gets, the better it gets. I think. <laughs> is, it, is it just quite indulgent? I don't think. I don't know. Not in a way that troll tube would be ridiculous and fun to watch. <laughs> I think it's more. I mean, it, it's bad, but you kind of don't mind too much because it's very entertaining. Just, just is it entertainment then? Okay. Yeah. 
It was yeah, definitely. I was I was I I I enjoyed the special effects. That's what I enjoyed. And the oh first yeah, hour, I loved them. It was basically about the destruction of planet Earth, and things were blowing up, and then the like entire west coast or east coast. I don't I can't remember which one that was. <laughs> just bloody went in the water. It just kind of collapsed, and you could see the. It was fantastic. It was really really great. Uh, you know that the actors they're just having fun with it. You know John Cusack, he's having fun with it. He's not. Yeah. I mean, he's not trying to have uh, give a great performance. He's just like he's like enjoying it. He's enjoying the ride. <laughs> uh, Buddy Harrison, I think the character, I think it's fun. He's he's got a fun character and he's he's playing with it. He's playing with the whole uh, blockbuster disaster film ridiculous kind of thing. Yeah, it's not like you know it's a. a, a <laughs> deeply troubled character that goes through some incredible life changes you know it's not that it's just action and action films can be very enjoyable yeah. it didn't bother me the way a Michael Bay film bothers me <laughs> but that's another story okay <laughs> <laughs> any more films uh, nothing happy nothing okay okay <laughs> I guess it's my turn now okay. yeah, I try not to go on for too long so just three thumbs. The first one is Cave of Forgotten Dreams in 2D, by the way. Uh, it's, a, it's a film by Werner Herzog. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Werner Herzog. Uh, I love all his films. Uh, also, like, his documentaries, uh, his latest ones, like Grizzly Man and Encounters at the End of the World. Uh, they are just fantastic films. Uh, on this new film, Werner Herzog, uh, he gets... A very very exclusive access to to a cave in southern France, uh, where apparently there are the oldest known paintings made by humans, mm-hmm. and uh, he he gets access to it uh, after like you know convincing to I guess to the French government that he's like I'm a prestigious filmmaker. <laughs> Check out yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for this actually. <laughs> so I was like, all right, all right, you can. Uh, because they they don't let anyone in. I mean, they only let scientists, and they they they, they have very limited time when they can go and check it out. So, uh, or let's say check it in. Uh, and uh, so basically, uh, Werner thought, I think everyone should see this cave. I think the this uh, is, is belongs to everyone. Every single person on this planet should be able to share this experience. And the film basically just presents footage uh, filmed inside inside the cave, and also some interviews with the scientists and historians. Uh, for me, it, it felt a, a bit like a history lesson. Uh, I like I like a lot of Werner. I, I like his uh, voiceover uh, with the ger- German accent, and it, it just makes things so interesting. Maybe if if he wow. had I don't know if he had the Spanish accent or Italian one maybe it wouldn't sound that interesting. I could I could, ju- I could just spend hours listening to to his voice, you know. For these Paleolithic painters, the play of light and shadows from their torches could possibly have looked something like this. For them, the animals perhaps appeared moving, living. We should note that the artist painted this bison with eight legs, suggesting movement, almost a form of proto-cinema. I thought that the film itself was, uh, it was really interesting, but it lacks a bit of the craziness of uh, Werner's uh, films that I, I enjoy so much. 
there are a few hints of uh, his humor, uh, Germanic humor maybe, when he compares, for example, when he compares the breasts of an ancient uh, sculpture to Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, it's only at the very end that uh, there is an uh, epilogue with some uh, albino crocodiles that gives you a little taste of this uh, of his surreal kind of charm uh, but I guess that Herzog really wanted to focus on the on the cave this time and didn't want to distract audiences uh, I don't know it, uh, I think he missed out a bit on the 3D experience because it was, it was made in 3D and it was uh, the use they made of the 3D it was probably very different from the, the use they make of 3D and the Hollywood blockbuster films because uh, there are a lot of scenes where you have like a, just like a shot of the paintings and the camera is not moving and what basically is explaining that uh, the f- first person to come in this cave and paint this horse it was at this time in history and then a hundred years later someone else came into the cave and painted over it so there are like different layers ah. and I think the, the 3D can show you the different layers but I didn't get that experience because no cinema in Edinburgh was showing the film in 3D and I saw it at the cameo in 2D uh. so there were things that I couldn't appreciate uh, so I felt like I missed out a bit but uh, it was an interesting film but not not as enjoyable as other uh, Werner Herzog films uh, for me another film I've seen is Hereafter it's Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood's, uh, I find it hard to pronounce, Clint Eastwood's <laughs> latest film. Um, it's a kind of a supernatural thriller. Uh, it's, a, it's got three different characters. One of them is an uh, American, uh, played by uh, Matt Damon. Uh, there's a French journalist and a London uh, schoolboy as well. And they are all kind of touched by death in different ways. Uh, the film is... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about the afterlife. Can I ask you a question? The job I had before was as a psychic. Do the work and go what do you think happens when we die? Send a hope upon a I recognize you. You're that psychic. I have news for you. I don't do it anymore. Uh, I love I, I love Clint Eastwood films. I love all, all, most of his films. I would say all of them in some way. It likes uh, some of them are. They, they, I mean, they all have problems. None of them are perfect. Maybe the closest to the closest one to perfection is probably Unforgiven. Uh, I think my favorite one is uh, uh, how is it called? A New World? No, the, a Perfect World. Uh, it's a film with Kevin Costner that I really I really liked. But that's his uh, personal taste. Uh, I don't think it's his best film. Okay. <laughs> but I, I just really like the film. I, I, I think Clint Eastwood is a very talented and very experienced director who really knows his craft. Uh, uh, you know, uh, films like A Million Dollar Baby, uh, I, I find it like kind of sentimental and a bit cheesy. But then he's got some other films I really like. Here After has uh, good actors and good performances. Uh, Matt Damon is kind of correct in it, but there are some other actors that, you know, deliver more. You feel like Clint Eastwood is trying to experiment here with, with new things. The film gives, like, an interesting approach to the idea of the afterlife. 
and, and, and I like how he presents afterlife in a non-religious way. You know, it's kind of an atheist way to look at the afterlife. Uh, That's what I was wondering about how how he would actually deal with it. Whether he'd go for some some something more religious or whether he'd deal with it. Yeah, I was a bit worried about this. Is, is it going to be a film about religion? It's like I'm not that interested in that. But then, when, as soon as he started watching it, I realized the, how they focused it. Um, it shows how in the afterlife, every, everybody feels like uh, one person. Or they explain that in the film, uh, like every like one person feels like can feel everyone. So everyone is kind of connected. But okay. then I like the idea that in the film, uh, in the, the real life part of the film, everything is also connected in some way. Uh, so there are like two, these two different levels of connection. Uh, but uh, in, in the end, like the three lives kind of come together. But that for me felt a bit forced. I mean, the way he connects the three stories, it feels a bit forced. The film just doesn't work too well for me. I think it has like... A lot of problems in uh, narrative, and you can see you can see the screenwriter struggling with all these transitions from character to character, from one story to another story. Uh, I think he's also very lazy when it comes to locate the stories because when you are in Paris, you see a long shot of the Eiffel Tower, and uh, in London, of course, you see the London Bridge. So it's like he he doesn't try too too hard. It's just like all these big kind of. Uh, iconic uh, places so uh, the people kind of like identify them straight away it's kind of a stereotypical in some way i prefer gran torino uh, for my taste even even if the uh, acting is a bit amateur in that one well that's my opinion on here after uh another film i've seen is the king Speeds. oh you uh, finally seen it i finally seen it i know that you george uh, you have already talked about this film in episode one i think it yep. was your uh was it your number six it was well done. <laughs> right. Uh, you also you you have an you have a review on Tricycle as well. I, do, I think yeah. on the Tricycle website that would be tricycle.co.uk. Uh, I like the King's Speech. I liked it. Uh, it's not a kind of film I normally like, but I I enjoy it. I think I think it's called first class filmmaking in it, and uh, yeah. the, the acting is also first class. And the screen presence of both uh, Colin Firth and Geoffrey Rush is just Im- like huge. It's immense. It kind of Absolutely. feels, uh, it, it feels like uh, the, their screen presence is filling every corner of the frame. And also, like you see how they, in every scene they are in these huge rooms. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if the rooms are so big and the, you know, you have like kind of wide shots. Like their performances, they kind of fill the whole space. The actors they don't look small in the in, in the shots. Uh, technically, I think it's also very well made. It has a very particular framing and camera angles, uh, which I think makes for an interesting visual style. Well, I saw this film just after watching Here After, and they they are they are very different films. But it was interesting to see that they have quite a few things in common. Uh, really? For example, both the the characters play. It, it's just a curious, uh, curious things that I, I thought they have in common. The characters played by Colin Firth and Matt Damon, uh, in some way they are both cursed because Matt Damon's curse is his uh, special ability to communicate with the dead, and uh, Colin Firth's curse is his speech impediment. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just trying to see things in common that <laughs> I don't know but it, it was funny I just realized of it when I was watching The King's Speech I started looking at things that two films had in common even if they were two different films 
uh, I also noticed they have both references to Charles Dickens and a cameo by Derek Jacoby. Both films oh. have a cameo by Derek Jacoby. It's uh, kind of coincidental there. I don't know. Something was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave some time between watching the two or did you just no that's the thing i didn't leave any time you know this was um it was actually a hangover day so i I was (laughs) was staying home it's like what am i gonna do i i kind of move out of the house so i'm gonna watch films and i I I watched the the two i watched the two films in a row i thought it was really interesting that three films starring matt damon seemed to come out all at the same time we had true grit we had hereafter and the adjustment bureau all at the same time but we might not get any film in three years now. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the... And then, then another three in a row, you know? That's the way it works. I think this is, is to do with the distribution as well. But it must be, it must be, yeah. But now that we covered the films that we've, seen, what we've been watching recently, uh, I have a quick recommendation. Tricycle Magazine issue 5 is out now, and it looks amazing. It includes a fantastic feature on Electric Man, a film about comics and the people obsessed with them. It includes an interview with its director, Dave Barras. We also have an interview with Darren Ward, legendary director of exploitation-style action films. You can find out about his latest film, A Day of Violence. We have reviews of The Right by George Sully and Never Let Me Go. Some video game reviews, some inventive fashion photo shoots, and the most exciting stuff about arts, music, theater, skating, and some other cool stuff that makes Tricycle the ultimate urban culture lifestyle publication. Buy now at tricycle.co.uk and get delivered to your door for just the price of a pint of beer. We also recommend you to visit our movie blog at the moviewave.potbean.com where you can find our episode archive and also some snappy film reviews, including reviews of Blue Valentine, Varney's version, Nets, Beautiful and Rabbit Hole. Uh, join the Movie Wave on Facebook and get updates on all the movie action. There is something for everyone. Now, let's have a wee break and we'll be back talking about Greek drama Doctus Kinodontas. That's, that's my Greek. Dragonfly float above the grass, trembling still. Think of my open up your heart, open up your heart. Someday you will. You are listening to the movie wave. There's always a way This there's always a way To end this isolation For you, the listeners of The Movie Wave, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. I personally recommend Mark Edmott's It's Only a Movie, where the film critic discusses with very good humor his cinema and radio experiences. Check it out, it's hilarious. 
you can get Mark Hemot's audiobook or any other audiobook of your choice free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash the movie wave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the movie wave for your free audiobook. You are listening to the movie wave. We are back and it's time to talk about Dog Tooth. Now, it's hard to talk about this film without spoiling it. So, dear listener, if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend you to stop listening now. If you have seen it, or or you don't mind spoilers, then here we go. Dogtooth is about a husband and a wife who keep their children imprisoned on their property into adulthood. It was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars this year and lost to Danish film In a Better World. Raised in isolation, scared to leave the compound, obeying their parents' every word, desperate to find all the aeroplanes that fall from the sky. You've never seen a film like it. official submission to the 2010 Academy Awards. Dogtooth. So, what do you guys think of Dogtooth? My God. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I... I I mean... Looking back on... (laughs) (laughs) That's that's your review. That's your review, George. That's, you, can, that's you, can, you can finish there. I mean, seriously. Also, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying here. <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching it, I was thinking, what was Sergio thinking making you watch this? I know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad I don't have to pretend to like it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, looking back on it, there's definitely stuff to be said about it and the things that it's trying to do and the things that it's trying to say are definitely <laughs> interesting in yeah. in one way or another. But when it, I mean, the first half an hour or so, I was just, what is this incoherent mess of, <laughs> of bizarre scenes and bizarre dialogue? And I, I mean, what's, I suppose what's quite impressive is that he really doesn't give you any help. It's, it's really up to you to work out what is going on it's not like there's there's like a, a plot breakdown or, or you have to not, connect the dots yeah you really <laughs> have to connect the dots and it took me a while to realize that the kids weren't allowed to to leave and i couldn't understand the significance of being trained in the meanings of of words to do with the outside world like they're told that c means something like a chair or something and and they're told they don't even told the word telephone they think it means something like salt or something like they, their, their vocabulary is, is totally messed with and they have this bizarre view of the outside world because they're they're trapped and it does take you a while to work out what the hell is going on <laughs> and why the, the the father is bringing in this woman just to have sex with with his son i mean that's, I, that's a gift honestly, to his son <laughs> absolutely baffling really really quite baffling 
It was it uh, it was really really draining and uh, <laughs> definitely. I was I mean it I it, I watched it in the evening and um it, I couldn't for about an hour I couldn't sleep and it was kind of because I had all those you know thoughts and scenes in my head and and, and I was just it was just all you know trying to digest it all and Definitely. I mean, obviously obviously I mean I think it deserved the nomination but at the same time there are films that you watch and you think should I have watched this <laughs> <laughs> should, should I really have spent this time should I have gone through this why <laughs> if, if it had if it had that effect on you Susanna I suppose that is testament to to a powerful film at least but absolutely it's, it's, it was very powerful it was it, whether that's a good thing or not <laughs> yeah it was just basically i'd like to think it's just basically a film about possibility like of completely controlling the the world view of others which mm. we think you can't do that you can't yeah. completely control the way somebody sees the world but that's how but that's what it was the father mm. because the children are never allowed out they spent their entire lives in the compound he basically created their view of the world in minute details and um yeah, it, and it's just baffling you know i mean obviously you hope nothing like that would ever happen right <laughs> um but it's it's just it, it makes you hurt to <laughs> because because as a human being it's just incomprehensible that something like this can happen that you know cuz whatever happens to you you're in your mind you're free but their mind even their minds were trapped by the vocabulary theft you know it, it's it it was that's why it was painful cuz even their minds were trapped it was just absolutely horrendous to watch it's, it's an interesting there. take on on what's what's referred to as the forbidden experiment um in in a lot of branches of science particularly um linguistics that i've looked at at university where we talk about this this ethically wrong morally wrong experiment that is in terms of the 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 theoretical potential of it would be very rich in the sense that you'd get um children you know or babies from birth and control every aspect of of their lives just so that you can monitor their input and and see how they develop but obviously that's that you can't really do that you can't oh, I remember that I did that at university too there was a case of a girl who was basically she was just imprisoned by her parents and they Je- never spoke to her yeah, she never there was the case of of Jeannie where it was looking yeah. at linguistic input and she was basically kept in the attic until she was about 13 and oh. uh she basically was f- a feral child that she had hadn't developed properly and uh the threshold of lear- of of developing um the part of the brain that kind of controls speech yeah the, the, the learn words but she could never put them in proper sentences absolutely she she bypassed what's referred to as the critical period mm-hmm. in um in terms of the cerebral plasticity the 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 cap- capability of the brain to to learn language but this is a bit of a tangent all, all I was really talking about was the fact that that um it was basically a, a kind of fantastical exploration of the idea of completely enclosing children and um forcing them to develop in the way you want them to develop and it was interesting that the father when he lays the beat down on Christina with the VCR yes. and says oh. to her, 
I, I wish that your, your children never have good influences when they're growing up. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. This is a man obsessed with that idea of controlling their, their influences. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big sin and it says a lot about the whole film and the whole idea Absolutely. of the film. One of the things you said to Zana, you said the father creates a new world and it made me think about this big uh, brave new world where they actually... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Don't even go there! Oh my god! Seriously, like the the people are conditioned since they since they are born and all yeah. that. So this is kind of interesting. Like uh, the, there's, the there's a comparison in, there. In Brave New World, though, they were genetically altered. They were genetically yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah but they so hear they hear these they hear these tapes as well. They hear the tapes saying that with things about how they had to feel, how they have to... they kind of conditioning them through tapes as well. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's, a, that's a, how I remember it. I read the book a long time ago, so I don't remember much. It, it also... This film made me think of a couple of other films. One one being um, The Island, that right. came out okay. oh, a handful of years ago, um, yeah. starring uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson and... Um, that's it. You're you're, you're McGregor. Uh, no, Michael Bay. No, <laughs> <laughs> the Antichrist. <laughs> Conceptually, at least, it's it's reminiscent in the sense that that all these clones are kept in this um, facility and they're they're basically fed lies about the outside yeah. world, being told that it's a desolate wasteland, and then um, the, the 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 stars, you and McGregor and Scarlett Johansson, escape and discover that that's all rubbish. And I just thought the idea of being fed a, a kind of a, a lie it just reminded me of. Um, of of, uh, of that and obviously the Truman Show similar idea yeah the Truman uh, Jim Carrey's character is is placed in an artificial construct of of, of the world a, a set effectively and yeah. um, is made to think that it's real uh, for me it reminded me of the Never Let Me Go <laughs> but maybe which is me you know I, I mean the whole pre- Never Let Me Go yet the, so. the, the, the whole premise of people raised in isolation on uh, also, it reminded me to never let me go also because of the character's behavior. I mean, the fact that they are raised and uh, they grow up in isolation, it kind of affects their behavior. It's not that it affects their behavior, but the behavior is not going to be the same as the people who live in our society. No, not at all. They came across as very childlike. I see. Yeah. I mean, it was very interesting that, that, that they really promoted the idea of competition and that that the, the children had to compete yeah. all the time for everything, for stickers, for all these these aspects of their life. It was all based on competition. And um, and they still behaved like children in this kind of innocence because they weren't nothing nothing was completely explained. They when the cat turns up in the garden, they clearly hadn't been told about cats. <laughs> so so the, 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 the son goes and stabs it with some shears. I th- I mean that was that was crazy, and then the father has to construct this elaborate story about how cats are really dangerous. And <laughs> yeah, but you think that that was also probably going back to the control thing because yeah. the when do you remember when when the youngest daughter hit the the, the son with a hammer during the yeah. night? And she blamed it on a cat. She said, a cat with a hammer ran into yeah. the house. And that was part of the control because the father went with her story, even though everybody knows it's ridiculous and he yeah. knew she was lying. A but cat he can't would carry prefer, a hammer. Yeah. He would prefer the children to live in constant fear of yeah. you know the outside world than to have some any kind of understanding of of what's going on outside it it was just 
all again about the control. It was really yeah, the, the competition, everything was absolutely perfectly controlled. Well, really almost perfectly controlled in the sense mm -hmm. that um, the title ends up being quite quite significant in the sense that um, the the whole dog tooth concept that that your your canines will will when they fall out you're allowed to leave. Well, the, the the eldest daughter just goes, well, okay then, I'll just smash my face in and remove the teeth myself. And that becomes a loophole in the supposedly <laughs> infallible um, idea of, of control that the father tries to impose. Mm. But maybe it also went to the uh, what you said about competition, because she was in competition with her brother for so long, and most of the time she would win. Yeah. Like when they were fighting for the plane, yeah. cut him with a knife and so on, she would win. And then at one point, when the father decided that one of the daughters should sleep with the son, and the son, it was in a way the son won with her physically. You know, it was he. In a way, yeah. He won with her, so she was. Um, that was her. After that, she, I think, she decided to leave because that was she lost to him, and I, I, yeah. we hadn't seen her lose to him. This is true. Um, that's, yeah, that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. The, the, it seems that the, the whole life they kind of been trained to. They they they, they having like they, they, not the way they are educated, but also like kind of receiving a training. You know mm. how they uh, like a training to go out there and confront the the world outside. Uh, they they've been trained like the, their dog has been trained, and the the training uh, ends when one of their the teeth uh, falls out. There was an interesting parallel drawn, I think, between yeah. the because the dad was very impatient for to get his dog back. Exactly. exactly. From, so you see the connection there: the dog and the, the yeah. training, the dog and the training of the the, the children. The what the adults now. Uh, but yeah. the, the whole idea that they, when the the tooth is going to fall out, uh, they can leave. I think it's a hoax, and it will never actually fall out, and they will never get out. So basically, they are stuck there. You know. Yeah, what was he thinking though? I mean, I know that that father, he wasn't really all there in his head. No. But no. he must have considered what would happen if he died or when he died. It, 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 he just didn't seem to. I'm not sure if that, he considered so. that because uh, I th I, I th it doesn't look like he's got plans for them for the future. It seems mm. that, oh, this is how life is going to be for us forever. And he, yeah, I'm not sure I, if he realizes that at some point you're going to die. And what's going to happen to your children? They're going to have to There's go out there and live their lives. Definitely a lot of unanswered questions, especially since the film yeah. doesn't really have any... Obviously, there's no scope for real closure, but the final scene, the very, 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 very last scene, the the boot to the car doesn't even open. And you wonder what, what's going to happen with the, with the daughter. Is she going to Probably escape? Probably led to death. Well, but quite possibly, she might have given herself a concussion or something. No well, idea. Well, if you hit your own head with a dumbbell a few times, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not good for you. But, yeah. for, for those for those listeners who say, "Oh, they're telling me the ending," we we gave you a warning. We gave yeah, you a warning yeah, yeah, for yeah, spoilers. Yeah, spoiler. But how happy was she when she did it? She bashed her head in. The two she fell out. Grinning. Yeah, that was quite quite shocking. Grinning, a lot of shocking scenes. In and this the, film. the way the way he's imitated the, the the videotapes, you know, and the, he he, <gasps> he managed to get some copies of films, Rocky and Jaws, oh, and then his, Rocky and yeah, Jaws. I think he's uh, imitating what, what's in the film, and it's kind of like amusing and kind of shocking at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you could tell how starved she was for for kind of entertainment stimulus, yeah. and the fact that she could memorize and recite these these whole chunks of the film. 
because yeah. she obviously found them so fascinating because they're so different to the this kind of things that she's been exposed to or kind of not been exposed to she's been very very deprived and I thought, yeah, that was definitely a, a, mix, a bittersweet mixture of kind of sad but kind of amusing as well when she used, like, um, fruit juice instead of blood to sort of imitate Rocky and mm. talking about Jaws when she was in the pool. It was it, bizarre. We should, I think, assume that uh, she had a deal going on with Christina and that Christina brought her more, more films because then, I don't know if you noticed, there were other uh, quotes from other films, not only those two, and also the, the dance at the end when she dances for her parents yeah. for the anniversary very, very that dance was from, from flash dance it did so, look a little flash dancey didn't it yeah right. and basically so really so maybe we that weird assume. dance was from flash dance I will never I mean, watch flash dance it wasn't as well done but it was I think a take on it so I, I, I think it's safe to assume that she had some sort of a deal with Christina you think, well, you think she got to see that film I thought it was a whole like the whole uh, the whole choreography was made up. It, it just looks so weird. Uh, it doesn't look like any dance I ever seen before. So really, I don't know if really he weird, got any yeah. difference from any film. But maybe, 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 yeah, maybe he got a copy of Flash Dance. <laughs> I mean, because there seemed to be only two tapes when um, when he smacked her around the head. That was that really took me by surprise. When he sellotapes the tape to his hand and then just hits her over the head. That was very shocking. It seems but there seems to be only two tapes there. I don't know if. The, the father gets really violent like when when people get curious and they kind of breaks they kind of break the rules of the father they all yeah. get the punishment and the punishment is always really violent yeah well I don't know because I, I recognized some quotes from other films so um, I'm just I'm, I'm unless there were you know there were tapes with a few films on them I don't you, know you got all the film <laughs> references here Susanna <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go maybe I think I missed most of them but the, the Flashdance thing, that was, I think, just to kind of end the film, just to show how starved for for the outside world she yeah. was, for something else, for something of her own. Because mm. when you grow up, you, you, you know, you feel the need to leave your parents, to go your own way, and she wasn't allowed to, and she was... They're, they're suppressing that, they're totally stunting that, that um, instinct, that need. Exactly. To... So I think that dance there, after, you know, her, her parents st- had to stop her. Because they saw something was wrong, that dance was kind of like she was expressing. That was the, the that was like uh, the beginning of his, her rebellion or something. Yeah, a, a dangerous um, form of self-expression that they they yeah. weren't happy with. Yeah, self-expression. Oh, that's not good. That's bad. <laughs> so yeah. Well, let, let me say let me say what I think about this film. Uh, I think this film is uh, absolutely <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. I loved it. It's a, it's a disturbing film, but at the same time, I find it fascinating. You know, fascinating exploration of human behavior. And uh, I mean, it just fascinates me all the con- conditioning of the characters and uh, how it, uh, this affects the way they behave, they react. Uh, at, at, po- at some points, they don't even look human. You know, they look more no, like not at all, not at they all. look more like a- aliens or something. <laughs> at, at times they even seem to come from a kind of indigen kind of tribe you know or, I mean when they made them bark yeah. <laughs> exactly that, that was very bizarre that, that, that would be like that, that would remind me more of uh, you know Christopher Lambert in uh, Greystock he plays Tarzan he comes back to the you know the, to society to let's say normal society yeah and uh, he's behaving like a bit like a, like he's been raised by a monkey so the way he behaves is completely weird 
or if you've seen it, Francois Truffaut's The Wild Child as well. You, you kind of uh, see how uh, people who've been uh, uh, separated for, uh, from our uh, world, uh, how, how do they react uh, in, the, in our world. And uh, uh, these characters, are, they haven't been actually brought back to civilization. They were raised and they, they live in an alternative order. Can, can mm. established by their parents the, uh, this new world that Susanna uh, mentioned before this is the reality they know they don't seem scared although they do appear kind of curious a few times uh, every time they raise a question they get a crazy ridiculous explanation uh, most of the times they seem to be satisfied by the answer it doesn't matter how ridiculous the explanation is they just accept reality as it is uh, this is all all they know, you know. Uh, but every time they break a rule, sometimes uh, because of their because they are curious, they get punished by by the father and very very violent punishment. Uh, these these violent moments they reminded me a lot of Michael Haneke. I don't know if you've seen films by Michael Haneke, but the way the the violence is shown is very crude and in your face. And the film presents violence the same way it, it presents sex. Every sex scene in the in the film is like an emotionless sex act. Yeah, completely. The director just leaves the camera there rolling. Uh, there is no artifice. Uh, there is no editing. No special lighting. No, no music. No. It's all just happening right there, right now, in front of your eyes. You know. So it's just the way he presents these things, like violence, sex. Very primitive. Very very primitive. Very primitive. Uh, uh, I don't know. I I love this film. I just thought. It, it just felt so unique to me, so exceptional. Uh, it's like no other film that I ever seen before. And it made me, it, it kind of made me excited again about movies and uh, what uh, what film can do. Uh, I couldn't recommend this film first because it's not to the taste of everyone, but <laughs> but uh, for me it was it was awesome. It was a very challenging film. I mean, after after we've talked about that, I sort of I've already kind of appreciated it just a little bit more. But I I won't be able to forget just how I felt watching it. And it was just I think I think Susanna says it best when it just feeling drained afterwards. I was like, well, what have I just been through? Like that was an experience. <laughs> I need therapy now. I can't. Yeah, I, I, completely. You know, that I didn't I didn't feel that way. Like I I I did, I did find it shocking. But I didn't react it that way so much, and I kind of find—I uh, don't know—I kind of find some humor in the in the film. Well, maybe we're more sensitive than you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, normally I'm quite sensitive to to, to, to violence <laughs> in, in films. Not always. I like in, in certain films, I find it—I uh, I can feel myself quite sensitive. Uh, I, I do like violence in in some other context uh, yeah. in, in entertainment. Uh, but I think the, the, it's just that the humor I think is very twisted. And it just comes some at times, you know, it surprises you. And, I uh, see that. Yeah. And it, it's funny how at times it looks like a horror film as well. It looks like a genre film. So I don't know how how seriously you can take the film. I, I, like yeah. I would take it more seriously if I knew it was a real, a true story. If I knew I it think, happened. I think the director's plans first when he was planning this film. I think he had a story in his mind where just basically everybody killed each other. Right. <laughs> but then he, he, he kind of changed his mind. Right. But then, but then at the same time, did you know that? I mean, it's kind of like a a remake of a uh, Mexican film called Castle of Purity. I think it was called El Castillo de la Pureza or something like El that. El Castillo de la Pureza. A, a film of na- from 1974 okay. by Arturo Ripstein, and basically, I think it was based on on a true story where a guy 
kept his family locked up in the house. The 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 windows were blocked um, at, to keep them away from the bad influences of the outside world. Um, and this film seems largely based on it, but it never acknowledged anything about the Mexican film. I, uh, I found it by accident. Wow, plagiarism! You just discovered plagiarism here. <laughs> I don't know. I just it just seems. Susana, you're like an encyclopedia of uh, cinema. You know, <laughs> you just know all the titles. I'm so impressed. Trivia, seriously. trivia. My mind gets trivia. <laughs> um, but yeah. So oh, sorry. I just wanted to say a little bit about the 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 just the composition of it. Just briefly um the the way it was shot was very beautiful it was kind of soft focus you know dreamlike mm, yeah. childlike photography yes. kind of beautiful yeah you know so it's kind of innocence illusion of safety but that illusion stunning. of safety makes you kind of increases your unease and, right. and claustrophobia even because you know what's hidden behind it absolutely absolutely it's the contrast Uh, all of the violent uh, moments also with uh, this beautiful setting, you know? Yeah. And the constant violence of their brains, I mean, you know, even if they, were, if they weren't being punished or if they weren't uh, being mistreated by their parents or, or, or whatever, it, it was like a constant violation of their mind. There was Completely. no yeah. pose from it. It was just, oh, it was so... I, I would say it was mind rape. <laughs> in in some ways, in yeah. Some way. yeah. So in one way, I'm glad I saw it, but uh, in others, oh <laughs> it did remind me a little bit of the um, that Austrian Fritzl case. Yes, yes, yes. That, 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 I mean, that that's, a, that's the real much. story. That's the disturbing story because you know it's real. That really disturbed me when I saw that on the news. Oh, completely, completely. I mean, that's that's kind of the the real the real rock bottom of human depravity, like. I'm, I'm glad that that this film wasn't quite like that, but knowing that that was that was real and this this film was fiction, it sort of it puts things in perspective a little bit. I thought it was maybe it was more prepared because the only thing I heard about the film is like it was kind of shocking and, or, or and violent, and uh, I was expecting a different kind of film. I was expecting something like Hostel, which I don't like. I don't like that kind of torture porn. And here the torture comes in a completely different <laughs> form. And it probably yeah, that's, that's, that's that's just gratuitous, isn't it? That's what that's why it could probably digest it easier because uh, of uh, what my preconception was of the film, uh, how it turned out to be something completely different. But let, let me let me talk a little bit about the ending, which uh, I find very very interesting. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, does the does <laughs> the girl really escape in the end, or uh, how how far does she get? Because uh, where, if you think about it, where exactly does she end up? She end up at the Quite a symbolic location, I would say, the factory of uh, of uh, where where their father worked. We don't even know what he does. <laughs> We just know he works in the factory. Well, he, he seems to be a big boss there. Yeah, yeah. He either owns it because I mean, how else could he afford such a beautiful house with a swimming pool and everything, or or he just runs it. I he's he's a big fish anyway. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was talking to someone about about a choice of tile. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Whether that was to a superior or to one of his um, uh, people who worked below him, but I don't know. I don't, it's probably maybe the whole thing could be read as a satire. I mean, I don't, I don't like, I hate using this word because uh, it's very overused lately. The it's a little bit, a little bit. But uh, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a satire, you know, in today's society and how how we 
people like like sheep, you know, like the mass, we accept reality how it is, you know, and we work by the rules. And it doesn't matter if the rules don't make any sense at all. And uh, it's it, what's worse, maybe that's. Uh, there is no escape, you know. There is no escape in the, in the film, and there is no escape here in reality from our reality. Uh, you know, this uh, this establishment that we cannot get away from, I guess. Or is it? Or is it saying that there is escape if this girl, if if the eldest daughter did manage to escape? I mean, I suppose it leaves that question unanswered. Yeah, but the fact that it ends up at the factory, I think it. I, I don't know. I think he's trying to say something with that. Maybe an overreading. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any anything else to say. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm spent. Really. <laughs> well, if you don't have anything to add up, we can wrap up the show. Uh, this is it for episode three of the Movie Wave. Thanks, uh, George and Susanna, for joining the show. No problems. You can read uh, both George Sulis and uh, Susanna Martin's film reviews both on uh, Tricycle Magazine and its glorious website uh, at tricycle.co.uk, where you can also get a copy of the magazine delivered to you delivered to your door whether you live in Glasgow in Marseille San Salvador New Delhi or anywhere in the world Tricycle Magazine is not responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely on of the individuals thanks very much for listening we'll be surfing the wave soon this podcast is a production of Calvinet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine Find out more at tricycle.co.uk. That's T-R-I-S-I-C-K-L-E dot co dot UK. Fly me to the moon And let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words other words darling kiss me fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore you are all I long for all I worship and adore in other words Please be true